This is the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, December 6th. How's it going, Corey? We got basketball tonight. We got basketball. How you feeling? You feeling ready? I, I'm feeling about as ready as I can at this point. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know. Happy, happy, get ready for basketball day. Merry, happy, whatever, you know. Um, I'll go first on AM fourteen thirty and ninety eight point five FM. The fan tonight. I will have non conference boys basketball. Staples Motley Cardinals host the Verndale Pirates. Cardinals on uh, on the season. They actually haven't had a home game yet. They're zero two. Uh-huh. They, they lost their opening game of the season to Wadena Deer Creek in Wadena, fifty seven fifty five, close ball game. They then lost to Henning at the Target Center this past Saturday, 69-48. to So they're looking for their first win of the year uh, here in uh, game number three of the season. As a matter of fact, two games on the schedule this week at home versus Verndale tonight, and then they traveled to Rothsay on Friday. One year ago, the Cardinals were 6-20 and uh, on, their, uh, on their season. Uh, they, of course, played Verndale a year ago. That's not a conference matchup, CJ, but that is one of those right down the road early season. little Highway 10 rivalry. Yeah, I don't know if, how, even how much of a rivalry it is, but it is uh, a, a rivalry of convenience, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Verndale, no, excuse me. Staples Motley did win that game last year at Verndale, 52-44. to The Pirates come into the season... Um, tonight they have not played a game yet. This is game one on the year. Oh, I should go back. By the way, uh, mentioned Staples Motley uh, in the seven double A tournament lost at Pequot Lakes in the first round of that tournament one year ago. Anyway, just a little context on last year. Verndale's playing in their first game of the season tonight. Obviously, it's against Staples Motley. We went through how that went a year ago. Uh, losing 52-44. to 44. Uh, The Pirates played in the Section 5A tournament. They beat Uppsala in the opening round a year ago before losing to Nevis in that second round. So, scheduled for roughly a 7-15 pregame tonight with a 7-30 tip time. Again, listen on 98.5 FM or AM 1430, The Fan. All right, and tonight on AM 920, 101.7 FM, KWAD. It is a Park Region Conference girls basketball matchup. You mentioned the Verndale Pirates. Well, they're on the air here tonight as well. Uh, the girls basketball team for Verndale is traveling to take on Wadena Deer Creek girls. little context, the traveling Pirates uh, tonight, they uh, this season are 0-2. They had a, a game versus Swanville where they lost 44-41, to 41, and for whatever reason, my screen just blanked here. Game number two, they lost at Parker's Prairie, 57-35, so a chance for them to get win number one tonight against the Wolverines, who, by the way, are 2-0 on the season. They had a close game with Pine River Bacchus last Tuesday, winning 54-53, and then they beat Staples Motley 65-29 uh, in there uh, in that matchup last Thursday as well. By the way, if you take a look at the Wolverines from a year ago, they were 15 and 11 
nine and five in the Park Region Conference. That was good enough uh, to be tied for second place as we had about a four-way tie for second in the PRC between Henning, New York Mills, Pillager, and Wadena Deer Creek last season. Uh, and of course, Wadena Deer Creek season ended last year when they took on Barnesville in the eight AA playoffs. Verndale last season was seven and eighteen on the year, four and ten in the Park Region Conference. Their season ended up in Nevis uh, with a 53-43 loss to the Tigers up there in the first round of Section 5A play. So it's always a good one uh, when you get uh, two schools like we just talked about with Verndale and Staples Motley on Highway 10. And then you go the other direction and you have uh, Verndale and Wadena Deer Creek in girls basketball. It should be a, a fun night. Yeah, and it's uh, kind of the first milestone night of the girls' basketball season, of course. They're opening conference play here uh -huh. this evening. So once you get into that, it seems like there's a couple of checkpoints right in the uh, in the basketball season. Mm -hmm. One of them is obviously the season starting, game starting. That's big. Then you get into conference play. Then you get to Christmas. And then come January, it's like it's full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. So that's the next one. That's the conference play is underway, and now we just, you know, let's survive. Let's get to Christmas. Let's learn who we are. And then come January. Hit the ground running. It's time to start taking names. <laughs> well, you know who was taking names over the weekend, Corey? No. Uh, prep Bowl action. Uh, everybody's probably heard of this by now, but in the, uh, believe it was 3A uh, championship game, the prep bowl between Dilworth Glendon Felton and New London Spicer. This happened. Ball, the ball is right here. Delzer goes to the slot on the far side. Schultz back to throw. He's going to heave one down to about the 20. It's caught. Pitch oh back. my! Look at this. Christensen wins the game. <laughs> New London Spicer is state champions. And one of the greatest finishes in the history of the prep bowl. I mean, how about that, Corey? So what it was is it was a like a Minneapolis Miracle Part 2 almost, although not quite the same play. Guy catches the ball on a deep fade with about five seconds to go in the game. They're losing. And he catches the ball. He's about to get tackled. But the guy, his buddy, uh, the guy covering his buddy fell down. So he just pitches it behind. And the guy runs it in another 15 yards into the end zone. And New London Spicer, like the guy said, one of the most dramatic finishes uh, in recent memory in the prep bowl. Pretty hilarious um, uh, uh, for New London Spicer, of course. Kind of an unreal finish. Yeah, it was, it was uh, a, a nice play set up. They had two receivers going up the uh, far sideline, like you said. Um, the one defender falls over. The ball catcher is being tackled. He's not going to make the end zone. There's not going to be enough time. He gives like a, a Randy Moss to Mo Williams flip of the football mm -hmm. and basically stumbles in for the final score. Sucks to be DGF <laughs> uh, in that particular instance, but an uh, an unreal finish in that ball game. That's I, I don't know what else to say. You could you imagine went, calling like, that, that one went yourself? Viral that. When, like, that made Sports Center. It sure did make Sports Center, as it should have. Uh, Jim Nance, Tony Romo even called it out. Like, oh, they, did they really? They sent a special, like, put a little special video message for New London Spicer when it was all said and done. Wow! Congratulating them. So, wow. Could uh, you could, I, could calling you calling it? 
Yeah, could you imagine calling it live? Like, would you just say the plays that happened and then freak out, or do you, like, freak out mid-call? How would you – or do you not know until you're in it? I don't know. I don't um, – it's probably um, – uh, I don't know. I I don't – I people prepare for big-time calls mm-hmm. uh, ahead of time, and I'm not sure – well, I certainly don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but as the game is going on, you start to prepare, right? Like, you get to this moment, and you know – if one big play happens and it's it's leading up to this, you know, like we're one play away from something potentially kind of magical happening. Mm-hmm. So you know, your brain starts to go in that direction. Of course, I don't know that I would have had anything planned. We use the Minneapolis miracle as an example, and that's going to go down in Paul Allen lore, right, for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the first time he used it. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I watched it again the other day, and he references Minneapolis Miracle like prior to the snap or uh, like a play yeah. or two earlier. He used it, remember, when Favre hit what's his Greg face? Lewis. Greg Lewis against San Francisco. He used it there. He, like He comes prepped for that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. is why he's the Vikings announcer. Because he's very prepared, but it was like I would not have had that. But you, it builds the moment everyone in the arena understands what's happening. Like right? this, is the final play of the game. Something's gonna happen here. Like here we go, and right. then yeah, it just kind of is a natural ebb and flow, or at least uh, you hope. But a, a, the guy did an awesome job. That's a great call. Mm-hmm. That was a really good call. Um, you, you watch some announcers, and they understand it's a big call, so they think they really need to let her rip, and then it almost just gets. Too loud and indistinguishable. Well, we should mention this is from uh, like the Prep Forty Five, yeah, uh, broadcast. Um, Hubbard Broadcasting stand up. Yeah, oh, hi. And let's see what else is all right. So we got all the all the fun stuff out of the way okay. on that one. But I have I have more. Okay. On that particular, play. I wanted to let the positive thing stand on its own. Okay. I have I have inspected this video over and over again, and I've seen it every time it's shared. Uh-huh. Like it comes across Twitter, or I've seen it on TikTok. Even you see it on every social media, and I came across it yesterday, and was scrolling through Twitter. And my cousin is a head football coach in uh, it's around Hudson, Wisconsin. It's like a little private school. Sure. He's got a good football program, whatever. And he, he's a, he was all American Division two linebacker. The guy knows he knows more about football than almost anybody I know. Mm-hmm. And he shared it and and commented in one of his like I don't know if it's a conference coach, but one of his coaching buddies goes, "All right, unbelievable finish to that game. Now that I have that out of the way." Why wasn't that illegal motion? This thing should have been blown dead before it even started. Oh. So now I'm watching. I go back up. I read that comment, and I go back up and watch the play, and this is how I know I'm dumb because I watch it, and I'm like, there's only one guy in motion. I don't understand what the what the big deal is. There's a guy that goes in motion, I think, from the bottom sideline towards the top of the field, basically right up through the the head of the Viking at midfield, mm-hmm. right? And I'm yeah. like, there's only one guy in motion. That's not illegal motion. So now I'm going through and I'm reading through all the comments, and he's like, all 11 players are not set when he starts his motion. So as he begins, 
everyone is just coming set. Yeah, they're not set yet. Does that you know you know what I, like? Do you understand what I mean? Like the the subtle yeah. difference between coming set and being set. If you look at the offensive line, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, if you look at the offensive line, they all look pretty set. But the wide receivers on the far side of the field, yes. as those guys are in motion, they are like taking their step or two. Uh-huh. And when you get set, you cannot move. Right, but they're not getting set. They're not set yet. When yeah. the receiver starts his motion, that's illegal. That play that play should have been blown dead from the beginning. Well, and the worst the worst thing about it is, and of course, props to Newland and Spicer for making the play. Of course, uh, th- the official is right there. Uh huh. He like, what was he looking at? I don't know. He was unless he was looking at the offensive line and just completely missed the two well, and, wide receivers right in front of him. And I'll be honest with you, as like I said, I watched the play and you're like, holy buckets, that's amazing. Then you see like it shouldn't count. And I go back and watch. I'm like, there's only one guy. It took me to have to go back and watch it a third time to finally mm-hmm. be like, ooh, that was very close. It wasn't blatant, but, like, yeah, if you know what you're looking for, you're like, oh. And you don't need to be set for, like, an arbitrary amount of time. You just need to be set Yeah. before that. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was kind of fascinating. And I know after reading through comments deeper and deeper and deeper some people are like we were there for this it was incredible and the dgf fans in front of us were blue in the face they were screaming so hard (laughs) (laughs) at how it should have it shouldn't have it's that doesn't change like what could have eventually been the outcome because right it would have just been a five yarder yeah the plays essentially the play's gonna be the same Mm -hmm. um but man, they would have liked to have it from five yards further out. <laughs> it's never a great play, Corey, unless there's some controversy, right? I guess that's like probably the hail true. mary play isn't that famous if there's not the Drew Pearson push off. I hate him. <laughs> I never. Yeah. I don't even know the guy. I wasn't even around when it happened. The more I watch <laughs> the play, the less I like him. Is uh, what happens here. Uh, but Corey, one last thing before you go. Uh, you read it this morning on your sports report. Uh, twins are meeting with Carlos Correa and yes. are also pondering uh, a potential trade of Luis Arise if a number one starting pitcher could be got. Uh-huh. Corey, uh, I'm going to give you the floor here. I don't really have I don't really have much of a floor. Um, we had a long conversation about this yesterday, kind of off the air, because uh, Luis Arise is a really good player. Really good. Um, like batting champ, good. Silver like slugger. Silver slugger, good. All-star. But... I think it can all be um, summed up in this sentiment. You asked a really, I think, uh, like poignant question yesterday of if you could choose, because it might come down to this for the Twins, if you had to choose between re-signing Carlos Correa for money that, like, godlike money, or keeping Luis Arise, what's your choice? And it's Carlos Correa. 100 out of 100. And it's, like, by the way, it's Carlos Correa and no one else on this Viking. Like, put Carlos Correa, uh, Vikings, on this Twins team. Put Carlos Correa against anyone else. I'd rather have Carlos Correa. Yeah. Anyone. He's Buxton, one of the top 10 players in baseball. Miranda, upcoming Royce Lewis, uh, 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 batting champ Luis. Now, I believe you can't be good unless you have good players. Mm-hmm. And Luis Arise is a good player, arguably really good. This past year proves that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it means you can't have him 
because you won't need to leverage it for some starting pitching and you get to keep Correa. I know they're not related. I know they're not connected. It's not mutually exclusive. But, I mean, it's Correa. I care way more about re-signing Correa. Now, if you don't sign Correa and you trade Luis Arise... They're going to riot outside Target Field. I'm out. Yeah. That's uh, uh, insulting to my fanship. <laughs> to your fanship. My fanship. Your fanship. My fandom. Your fandom. I will hate it. I will <laughs> If they don't re-sign him and, and, and trade Arise... Well, because Arise would have to be packaged. Arise for a number one starting pitcher doesn't happen straight up. Yeah, I'm going to lose my mind. That's going <laughs> to suck if that happens. Ugh. All right, I got to go. Corey's fanship sailing out of here on a Tuesday morning, the 6th of December. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, with Carlos Correa, I mean, obviously take Correa 100 times out of 100. With Luis Arise, there has to be, if you can get a number one starting pitcher, you'll have to put some prospects in with that pool. You're not just getting Luis Arise for a number one pitcher straight up. There's going to have to be more you're going to have to throw in that pot, but... Look, if it brings you back a good player, I'll learn to live with it. But like Corey said, if you just trade one of your better players, a guy who took home some hardware, I get his trade value won't be higher. But if you just get rid of Luis Arise because his value's never been higher and you need pitching and the guy you bring in isn't good or gets hurt, I mean, the fan base is going to rupture, especially if you don't bring back Carlos Correa. So, Twins are in tepid water. Maybe they just threw out that report to kind of test the waters on the fan base and see how they'd react. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, uh, interesting day uh, for the Minnesota Twins as the winter meetings continue. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, December 6th.